Recent research suggests that in the UK, one in every 500 people are affected by severe and overwhelming chronic fatigue after mental or physical activity, otherwise known as ME-CFS, for which there's no current cure. Although some people will recover after a period of time, many will endure long-term disease and disability, and in about a quarter of the cases, this can be severe enough to force the person to remain housebound or bedbound. As part of the International Centre for Evidence in Disability at the school, the CURE-ME team's research has focused on improving recognition, diagnosis and treatment of ME-CFS and the development of the UK's first biobank of samples for research. We spoke to Erina Bowman to find out more about the biobank and the effects of the disease. Imagine waking up one day with the flu. You feel terrible, you feel exhausted, feverish, sore throat, swollen glands, headache, a head full of cotton. And then imagine waking up every day of your life, day after day, week after week, month after month, and even year after year, feeling that terrible. That is what it is like to have this disease. So ME stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis. The disease is also known as CFS, or chronic fatigue syndrome. And what it is, is a long-term disabling medical condition, predominated by chronic fatigue, but also with a whole other constellation of symptoms, such as pain, sleep disturbances, sore throat, swollen glands, headaches. And they can be quite debilitating and lifelong. This was something which was recognized in fairly recent history, wasn't it? Well, actually, there have been outbreaks of disease um, that have been recorded dating back to about the 30s. So this is not a new disease. The name has changed over time, but the entity has existed. And my, my guess is that in the next decade or so, the name will change again as uh, different subtypes are identified. How does one recognize ME? So one problem that has really hobbled research and progress in this area is the lack of a definitive case definition. Um, we have an idea of what the disease is, and there are a number of different case definitions in use, some of which are broader in scope than others. So what we're trying to do with the research is find some biomarkers that we can clearly identify uh, patients as such and once we can do this, this will lend legitimacy to the disease that has historically been lacking. And it can also potentially help identify treatments. To describe what we do, I want to take a step back and talk about historically what has happened in this field. Because of the name CFS, or chronic fatigue syndrome, which sounds quite innocuous, the disease has not been taken seriously. And as a result of that, there have not been many funds made available for research. This has meant that scientists and researchers who are interested in looking at the disease have had to scrounge around for spare change, basically, uh, in order to get anything done. And this has meant a lot of underpowered studies um, with sometimes conflicting findings. So what we're trying to do to overcome that issue is develop a biobank. And we're collecting samples, blood samples, 
from people with the disease, ME-CFS, with multiple sclerosis, and from what we call healthy controls or healthy people. We're collecting samples from the same individuals over time, and we can look at changes in their disease over time. And we can start to try and correlate changes in their symptoms with what we see in their samples. And we will be looking for viruses, we'll be looking for immunological parameters and gene expression. What we're also trying to do is develop a pan-European and even international network of biobanks so that we can pool our resources and use the funds that we do have most efficiently and effectively. So how are people treated at the moment? I think that the situation has been improving, but people still face an enormous amount of stigma and ridicule in their daily lives. Can you give me, for instance, do you know people who suffer from ME? I think there's a lot of disbelief as to this disease's severity or even its existence. I think it can be most powerful to hear about the experience of the disease from the people who are affected by it. One nice documentary that came out a few years ago is called Voices from the Shadows, and it documents the lives and experiences of five people who were severely affected, some of whom are no longer with us today, unfortunately, as a result of the disease. They didn't understand, or didn't want to understand, that it was a physical illness. So they were trying to force Lynn to do things, believing that she could make herself better. If ever I left her bedside, immediately some member of staff would come along and start questioning her as to what was really wrong, why did she not want to get better, desperately trying to find a reason to pin her condition on. Believe me, you wouldn't choose to lie here day upon day, unable to move. You wouldn't choose this life. And there's so much out there that's enjoyable and interesting and challenging and wonderful. This is as important as any other significant major illness, whether it's cancer, heart disease, AIDS. It is a complex, chronic, multi-system illness. It is not a psychiatric illness, it's not a illness which is associated with mental and behavioural disorders. Patients are suffering neglect by the medical services and are largely forgotten both by the professionals and also by the media. The government sold its soul really on this. They said this is the way we're going to treat this illness. We know what the illness is, it's psychiatric, it's mental and behavioural. We're going to use these techniques and that's it. lived in this constant fear of what was going to be forced upon me next. Not only had I lost all control of my body and lost my whole life, I was denied any say in anything that happened to me. Any input that we had from psychiatrists was very, very destructive. Instead of helping, it nearly killed Lynn. Sophie was put in a locked ward. It was a locked room within a locked ward of the mental hospital. Her physical disease was being treated as a mental illness, and that's why she died. These are true horror stories where the families have really been abused by the professionals and by the court process in general. There's been no publicity for these cases, and uh, 
realize that they're really being any justice. It affects children, adults, people from all walks of life. What we tend to see is that for boys and girls, it affects them equally. But once people hit puberty, we see about a three to one ratio of women to men affected. So this disease can strike at any time, but it does quite often tend to strike young people at the most productive time of their lives. Is this purely a Western disease, or is it something that happens across the world, but because other countries have got so many other problems that it's not even recognized? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So I do not think this is a Western disease. But the data simply aren't there, so we don't know. What are some of the biggest challenges for you and for this study at the moment? It can be a real struggle to get funding for research in this field. So what we're trying to do is figure out the long-term sustainability of our biobank bio project. Because what we don't want to do is collect all these precious samples and have them sit in tanks in perpetuity. We want to have an active biobank that is openly receiving and sending out samples so that researchers around the world can have access to the samples and can conduct their studies on them using their particular techniques that they're expert in. We currently have a grant that will end in mid-2016, and so we, were, we are initiating a fundraising campaign to see if we can ensure the long-term sustainability of the resource. Is the difficulty in funding mainly because potential funders don't see it as a sexy disease or that the people affected by it don't outwardly show symptoms of, of this disease? I think that there could be more attention given to this disease if there were greater advocacy. But the unfortunate thing is that the people who are sickest with this disease do not have the strength to advocate for themselves. One thing we're trying to do with our research is ensure that severely affected participants are included. This group is historically under-researched and neglected in studies. This is because they're simply difficult to access. Um, so what we're doing to overcome this is send our research nurse out to people's homes so she can conduct the clinical assessment and blood collection in their homes. About one quarter of people are severely affected with this disease. And it's important to bear in mind because these people are hidden in darkened rooms uh, in their homes and they're not, a, they're not able to participate in society, and they very often have extremely low quality of life. What is your overall hope from the study and the biobank? My hope is that we can give a neglected disease the attention it deserves and to help pave the way forward for doing ethical, high-quality research on well-characterized cases and hopefully find biomarkers and potential treatments or even a cure.